You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Jeff and I will be your host today. Joining me in the studio are Ken and Neil. How are you guys doing today? Hey, what's up? What's going on? Not too much. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Today we're changing the format, so it's like the game with Michael Douglas, the Fincher movie, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Yeah, it's a great movie. Good ending. If you don't know the ending, don't look it up. Just watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Good start. Yeah, good start. <laughs> and uh, joining me through the interwebs, uh, I'll start with our cruiserweight champion, Laura Scafati. How are you doing today, Laura? Hey, good. How are you? And you're coming to us from uh, Dover, New Hampshire, that's correct? That's right. All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into trivia, and uh, how you found our show? Sure. So um, how I got into trivia, I started going to a bunch of trivias in one week. It was a trivia pub crawl back when I lived in Manchester, New Hampshire. So we went to a bunch of them. And then from there, I just really started loving trivia, started seeking out uh, podcasts to do with trivia. And um, that was back in 2014. So sounds like a serious test of your like uh, trivia metal and also your sobriety because <laughs> you're going from oh, one true. to another doing one trivia after another oh man <laughs> yeah we can barely keep on top of the one we try to go to a week and this is just coffee yeah that's true <laughs> well and you'll you'll see laura in 2019 on the zombie trivia pub crawl where everyone's dressed as zombies doing trivia <laughs> on a pub crawl i would be totally on board for that <laughs> let's do this all right and also joining us our intercontinental champion william travis coming from irving texas how you doing william hey great to be on Glad to have you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, your your backstory, how you got into trivia and, and the like. So I'm a tax attorney from Irving, Texas. Um, getting into trivia, I during high school, I did probably the dorkiest trivia variant ever. I was on the uh, Kurtaman team in Latin class. Oh. So basically, they will ask you a whole bunch of questions about Latin, Roman history. They'll ask some questions in Latin and you buzz in. Uh, it's kind of like if you ever saw that movie, The Emperor's Club. Yeah. Except it, it wasn't dorky enough that we had to wear togas or anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was that was my sort of quiz bowl equivalent that I got into. Uh, Lucky for you, Jeff's questions are all Latin related today. <laughs> oh, sweet. Oh, I took Latin. <laughs> We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. <laughs> Uh, no, that I, well, it's it's appreciated that you're wearing a toga today. 
uh, on camera. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, well, uh, you can't prove otherwise. Well, right. Uh, well, you guys <laughs> chose a, a great name uh, for your team. Why don't you let us know what that is? So it's a death and taxes because I am a tax accountant. And he's a tax attorney, so it made sense. A, a state tax attorney also. Yeah, I, I deal with lots of dead people. So literally death and taxes. Death and taxes. <laughs> well, today's episode brought to you by M. Night Shyamalan. Well, our uh, our team name, me and Neil, is going to be a little morbid as well. Um, I uh, went to the movies early uh, yesterday with Neil's brother, and we saw Mortal Engines by, by his request. And uh, suffice to say, it's the worst movie I've seen all year. But uh, to make matters worse, the uh, screen actually went down with about five minutes left in the movie. So it's incomplete. I've seen about 95% of it. And uh, now I'm uh, just like hanging on the edge, waiting to waiting to finish it due to my completionist nature. But I don't want to because it's terrible. <laughs> but uh, Morbid Engines will be our name. That sounds good. Uh, well, maybe when you see the last 5%, it'll have like a complete turnaround. Uh, it'll be the most brilliant ending of all one, time. One could hope. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, before we get started, just want to say uh, thank you to both uh, Laura and William uh, for being a Patreon supporter. We really appreciate all the support over there. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> uh, if you guys would like to, to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcasts where we have a brand new set of updated perks. Uh, and uh, we'd love to... Uh, Get your support over there. Uh, new bonus episodes uh, once a month, uh, as, as well as uh, opportunities to be on the show, whether recorded or uh, as a contestant. So, all right. Well, I think if we're all ready, let's get it started by throwing it to the rules, guys. <laughs> the rules of the game are simple: twenty questions split into two rounds, worth ten points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated, and we'll have a chance to wager zero to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. All right. Ready to get started here, Jeff? Yeah, I think so. Without further ado, uh, let's start with question one. Uh, William Shakespeare is famous for his wit and for some of the most enduring turns of phrase in the English language. In an exchange between Shylock and Portia, Portia states that as repayment for Antonio's debt, Shylock, as per their agreement, is entitled to a pound of flesh from Antonio, but must do so without drawing blood. In which Shakespearean play does this exchange occur? We'll just go ahead and lock in. Yeah, it's <laughs> Merchant of Venice, right? Um, sure. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure me. that's the one. Yeah, lock uh, it in then. <laughs> okay, we're locking in with Merchant of Venice. Yep, me and uh, Neil had the same inclination, Merchant of Venice. Yep, and uh, both teams on the board. First question, way to start strong. Wasn't Al Pacino in a version Got of Merchant of Venice? He was. Pound yeah, he of flesh. Ooh-ah. Ooh-ah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, Al, you're not even saying Shakespeare anymore. It's like, just let him do what he wants. All right, excellent. On to question two. Uh, we think one of the necessary conditions for supporting life is to have some amount of liquid water on a terrestrial body. If this is true, one of the most promising places we could find life in our own solar system is on which of Jupiter's moons? This moon is believed to contain an entire ocean beneath its 100-kilometer-thick frozen crust. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and lock in on this one as well. I think, I mean, we got the four Galilean moons. We got Io, which is volcanic. Mm -hmm. uh, you got Callisto, Ganymede. Europa. I think Callisto is rocky. Uh, 
mm-hmm. seem to remember Europa having ice, but I think Ganymede also has ice. Hmm. Been watching the expanse, and it's like ice covered. So I don't know if there's water. So there's under like that. a thick frozen crust. So it's known for being icy, right? So yeah, it's, you a, think it's Europa, occurred to me. Or... I should have thought about Europa this a little is more. The one that's coming to me the most. Let's go with that. That sounds yeah. like your gut instinct. So that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. We'll so see. we're gonna lock in. <laughs> yeah, lock in with Europa. All right. Well, we locked in right away with just a quick guess of uh, EO, but um, should have thought about it more because they use these locations a lot in the sci-fi anime series Cowboy Bebop and Ganymede is is a water planet on that um, show. But I don't know if that's correct, but we locked in with EO. Uh, Unfortunately for the team here at Triviality, the correct answer is Europa. Uh, See, I was wrong wrong on all accounts. (laughs) The only thing I was going to bring to the table is anytime there's a question about Europa, I think of the production company Europa, which has nothing to do with any, but there is, I think, a ferry coming out of water. So I should have pulled that. I didn't. Mm. All right. On to question three, then. In the fall of 1997, Ben Folds 5 had their highest chart-topping hit in the U.S. with what song, which reached number 19 on the U.S. charts and number six on the alternative charts? Yep. Okay. Uh, hopefully this will work for us today, the strategy. If we know it right away, uh, we're not going to talk about it. We're locked in. I have no idea. <laughs> I, ju- I just remember the song that he did on Chat Roulette at a concert. And then okay, uh, yeah. I, remember, I remember he did a, a certain cover of, a I think, NWA or Easy e song, which <laughs> will go nameless. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, I cannot name a single Ben Folds 5. Song. I know. I'm trying to think. I'm like... <sighs> All right, what's what's a Ben Folds Five sounding name? Um, know when to fold them. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. I remember that one. All right, I'm I'm good with that. That's the best I yeah. can do. All right, know when to fold them. All right, final answer. <laughs> All right, well, uh, actually, I was talking about this song a couple days ago. We were we were talking uh, Christmas songs, and I said, technically, isn't Brick a Christmas song? So oh, okay. uh, we're going to go uh, with yeah. Brick. Yeah, uh, I mean, it does have in the lyrics a, str- uh, a specific mention of getting up. Uh, it's near Christmas. And it's, it is it's a Christmas it's song. Brick, yeah, by Ben Folds 5. Okay, yeah. I, I have heard of that. Uh, <laughs> terrible. It's a sad Christmas song. It's, yeah, it's pretty sad, yeah. All right, on to question four. Penning books such as Just a Geek, The Happiest Days of Our Lives, Hunter, and Dead Trees Give No Shelter. Which actor is more likely known for roles in Stand By Me and Toy Soldiers? I don't... Okay, so Toy Soldiers. I don't know Toy Soldiers. I can pretty much tell you that cast is Stand By Me, though. Well, yeah, we're looking at we, we, Kiefer. We those people. Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. I was thinking maybe Kiefer. He's like kind of a... I mean, he's a music guy. I don't he's know about... A, he's a man of many, many interests. Who are we forgetting? There's, there's two that I'm... I always forget. We could, we could go Kiefer. I don't think he's done... Is he in Toy Soldiers? Toy Soldiers is really... I, I was thinking Small Soldiers, but Toy Soldiers is really messing with me. All right. We're locking in with Kiefer Sutherland. All right. Well, uh, we, we went through all the actors in Stand By Me, and I, there's one that we're forgetting, uh, but we went through River and Jerry O'Connell and, and Kiefer, and uh, Ken was like, it sounds like Kiefer might be the right answer because he's uh, he's a man of many talents. So we also went with Kiefer Sutherland. Well, unfortunately, Kiefer Sutherland is in Stand By Me, 
but he's not in Toy Soldiers. Uh, if I told you this actor is probably best known for his role in Star Trek The Next Generation, would you have it? Oh, it's not Jonathan Frax? No, no, it's... Um, oh, no, Will no, Wheaton. Wheaton. Oh, my God. It's Will Wheaton. Oh, no. <laughs> I knew he was in that, too. Oh, my God. I forgot he was in Stand By Me. I totally forgot about oh. Will Wheaton. All right, on to question five. I'm going to give you the uh, first synopsis of a film that shows up on IMDb, and I want you to just give me the film title. All right, this is a 2017 film. A couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Okay, I've got it. I think I know what it is too, but you can lock it in. Unless you want to talk it out. Let's let's talk it out just to make sure. Okay. Consensus. I'm trying to think of home invasion movies. Or uninvited guests though. That's got to be like a cartoon thing, right? Or like yeah. little creatures. I don't know. I, d- I don't think in the synopsis of a kid's movie they would put their relationship as tested. Yeah, that's true. Man, I know I've heard it. Yeah, it's it's bugging me. Let's just say the Strangers sequel. Okay. What's it called? Uh, Strangers. I don't know if it's Strangers Pray at Night. Strangers 2. Let's go with that. Okay. Okay, so I we were down to two movies. We thought about Get Out and Mother. Uh, I have... I actually did not see the full movie Mother, but I just remember the first, you know, 30 minutes of it where uh, Ed Harris shows up and all hell breaks loose. So for me, that was the the one that fit the plot uh, most closely. So we locked in with Mother. All right. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we couldn't think of anything uh that clever um i think yeah. you're, you're 100 right but we went with uh, the strangers sequel which we thought was called the strangers pray at night or something like that but you're right and uh the first um the first synopsis that shows up uh on imdb for this 2017 film uh is the description of an Ar- darren aronofsky film mother so oh. it was mother <laughs> awesome yeah once you said point. it i it made sense because i knew the tagline too and i haven't seen mother that's if i would have seen it i think i would have remembered that but yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> all right well so done that's a strange movie i tell you is it yeah all right looks like after the first five questions uh we're playing pretty morbid over here we only have 20 points but <laughs> death and taxes has 30 so they're uh, uh nearly ahead we're hot on their tail yeah we are a giant <laughs> machine uh machine city that that goes on tank treads for some reason <laughs> Well, it's, a, it's the giant Millennium Park bean on wheels, and then we're in it, and we're following <laughs> them. Eat why, smaller beans? Why is it on wheels? We don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. All right. Question six. If you're a big fan of nothing but blue skies, your best bet would be to live in what U.S. state, which averages the highest number of sunny days? In fact, it has the entire top 10 list of cities with a population of over 50,000 for sunny days. Um, I mean, immediately you'd want to go... You start throwing out like Florida because it's the sunshine, sunshine of the state. The sunshine state. <laughs> oh, United States. The weather's <laughs> actually atrocious there. It is. Yeah, it's so humid and gross. Um, a lot of storms though. Yeah. What What's the big sky state? Or that's just that has nothing to do I don't with it. So or like oh. Arizona. Arizona makes sense. It's always sunny there. No, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, Arizona, or I mean, just for my own knowledge, what is the big sky stays at montana or wyoming i can't remember um but i don't think that those are necessarily sunny i like arizona let's do it okay so we were kind of thinking about states that would fit the quality we thought of the blue sky state which was montana um, but we had to find something that had uh, 10 cities with fifty thousand people 
Um, so I knew Arizona had a lot of cities. We also thought, you know, Florida is a sunshine state, but there's a lot of rain there. And we thought California has a lot of cities, but a lot of different um, areas of the state. So Arizona was what we locked in with. And uh, similarly, we said Arizona. Yeah, with uh, nearly 200 days of sunshine every year in cities like uh, Tucson and Chandler, it's uh, Arizona. Ah, yeah, we had nice. basically exactly the same conversation. Nice poll. Except we didn't awesome. know what the the big sky state I was. I finally did something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent. On to question seven. Being categorized as a type of anxiety disorder by the DSM-5. Oh, what? I got this. Which fear is characterized by symptoms of anxiety in situations where the person perceives their environment to be unsafe with no easy way to escape? It is named for the Greek word for public or gathering spaces. That's not claustrophobia, right? No, that would be tight spaces. Um, so the Greek word for, what was it? Public or... Um, What's like a public, a hall, not a hall. Um, public or gathering spaces. it was... Um, I thought it was like agoraphobia. Oh, yeah. Agoraphobia is, yeah, where you don't want to go outside. So I thought about my uh, Greek classes from college, which have proven extremely useless, except for maybe, you know, two opportunities a year, and this is one of them. So we <laughs> locked in with agoraphobia. And uh, we said the same thing. Yep. So the agora being a uh, public or gathering space leads to agoraphobia. Ooh. Good work, Neil. Yeah. Oh, it was good work on you. I was hoping I could throw you off a little bit by having the like full classical definition mm-hmm. in there because you, you tend not to think of open spaces as being hard to escape from. But Right. No, it was a good trick because we, we said claustrophobia and then, and then we were like, ah, I don't know about that. Question Got eight. Got him. Got me. Uh, question eight. Sharing its name with a classic Beatles song, the movie Can't Buy Me Love stars what two oh, actors yes. playing the lead roles? Okay, we are in... Uh, oh, we're two lead actors. Yeah, because I knew you'd get one. Oh, <laughs> so it's Patrick Dempsey. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's from the 80s. Of course it is. Because a nerd pays someone money to be his girlfriend. It's right up Neil's alley. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not going to pull her name right now. She's not like that well-known? No. No, this is like her big movie. All right, okay. guys. We are, uh, we are locked in. So we're agonizing over this because uh, I've never heard of this movie. Me neither. <laughs> uh, you guys mentioned it's an actor you like, so or well, Neil's just a general easily. general fan of romantic comedy. So oh oh, so it's okay. a romantic comedy that changes who we'd go. It's for called Can't Buy Me Love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you but, remember, uh, it was remade with Nick Cannon as Love Don't Cost a Thing in the two thousands. It was. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're getting more information. Let's just stay silent and wait for more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we thought maybe actors that you guys like. So my first thought was Patrick Swayze. All right. We'll go with him for sure. And then the second. I guess we need I'm thinking of like you got mail and like Meg Ryan just because she's like the first um, rom-com person that pops into my head. Um. Yeah, I'm good with Meg Ryan. That's all right. We'll go with Meg guess. Ryan then. That's the only one that's coming to me right now. All right. So, so yeah, yeah, we're gonna lock in with Patrick Swayze and Meg Ryan. 
All right. That'd be an interesting version of this movie for sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> I'm surprised Jeff didn't uh, go with the Seth Green reference because he plays the uh, lead character's brother who teaches him an African dance to take to the school that you think would bomb, but everyone loves it and joins in because it's an 80s movie. Um, so this movie is one of my favorite movies. I couldn't remember the, the lead actress's name for the life of me, uh, but it's Amanda Peterson, but we didn't lock in with that. Um, but, uh, you were right with Patrick. So Patrick Dempsey is the lead in this movie. Oh, um, and this movie is about uh, him being a nerd who, uh, likes a popular girl and he takes his money spent, uh, mowing lawns, $5,000 and he's going to get a telescope. But the girl he likes at a party spills, uh, alcohol all, of, all over her mom's, uh, expensive jacket. And so he offers to buy that jacket for her and clean it if she'll be his girlfriend for two weeks. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, it's Patrick Dempsey, and uh, we couldn't get the other, we couldn't get Amanda Peterson. Also known so. as McDreamy hires a prostitute. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, they just hold hands, though. Oh, okay. And she's not a prostitute. She's not, no. He's a prostitute. <laughs> he, right he is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you've seen Easy A, the... Uh, I guess the, he's the one spending money, so... True. If you've seen Easy A, the ending with the uh, the lawnmower where they're riding around with the cowboy hat, that's taken directly from Can't Buy Me Love. That's the ending. Uh, for, oh, okay. for the record, Neil, the, uh, the tie-in that I wanted to make reference to was there's a scene in Community where they're trying to set up Abed, and uh, one half of the table only is familiar with the Love Don't Cost a Thing, and the other one is Can't Buy Me Love. And Joe McHale says, we're not Can't Buy Me Love Me or don't Love Love Don't Cost a Thing in anybody here. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, that's great, Joe McHale. The answer? Is uh, Amanda Peterson and Patrick Dempsey, hmm. as aforementioned. <laughs> All right, question number nine. Looking at a map, it can feel like the lines on countries have always been drawn that way. But since I've been born, more than 30 countries have been founded. When the country of Yugoslavia broke apart... Following the Yugoslav Wars of the 1990s, six countries were eventually formed. Name any two of those countries. Currently. Current. Do you need to talk? We're elected. Oh, okay. Feel free to talk it out. So I'm thinking we have Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Mm -hmm. uh, Montenegro, I think, was formed out of that. Uh, Macedonia, I think, came out of that. Um, not entirely sure. Yeah, so we only have to pick two of them, right? So whichever two you feel the most confident on, yeah. Um. Okay, um, I'm most confident on Serbia and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Yeah, I agree with those two for sure. So we're going to lock in with those two, Serbia and Bosnia and Herzegovina. All right. And on the morbid engines? Yep. I was pretty sure that uh, when Yugoslavia broke apart... Uh, uh, Czechoslovakia was part of that and also Slovakia and uh, Czechoslova Czechoslovakia became known as Czech Republic and now it's called Czechia and uh, Slovakia is our other answer. All right. So the six countries that uh, formed following the Yugoslav Wars, not all at once um, because uh, Serbia and Montenegro were one country, but now they are two. The other ones are Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Macedonia and Slovenia. So it wasn't even close. So you didn't get a single one of them. Uh, but uh, good news for death and taxes. They are getting 10 points for that. <laughs> Woohoo! <Yes>. Great. <laughs> All right. And the final question in round one. Uh, Anna Coleman Ladd was an American artist and sculptor who reshaped the face of prosthetics following her work with disfigured soldiers injured in which war? As a way to further show the brutality of the war, she depicted a decayed corpse on a barbed wire fence in a war memorial commissioned by the Manchester by the Sea American Legion. Mm. Well, Acton. Mm. That was my thought. Barbed wire makes me think of World War One. Mm -hmm. uh, this could be War Two. Uh, 
My gut is telling me World War One, though. Yeah, we can go what with that. Think? The only thing that I thought they mentioned it was funded by Manchester by the Sea American Legion. I won't, like. I wonder if that's them trying to give us a hint. I just know Manchester by the Sea is in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess we can go with World War One if that's. That's what my gut's telling me. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with World War One locking it in. Yeah. Yeah, without much discussion, Ken and I just looked at each other and signed World War One, and I felt pretty good about it. So we went with World War One as well. Going with the gut today. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that I did uh, the Manchester by the Sea was more of a flavor thing. I just added that as as mm. part of the um, larger backstory to the <laughs> to uh, the um, exhibit she had put up. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it is World War One. So well done okay. to both teams. All right. She's uh, she's really interesting. Look her up. Um, I think. Maybe Vox did a video on her not too long ago. That's uh, pretty interesting. So yeah, that's, that oh, is cool. interesting. Huh. Probably a lesser known, uh, you know, American hero here. Yeah, yeah. she actually has uh, no uh, commendations from the U.S., but I think she's won both uh, French and was it uh, Serbian medals of honor? I can't remember. Yeah. All right. Well, going into the swing round, uh, still a tight game, but uh, Death and Taxes are taking a slight lead. So it's uh, seventy points for Death and Taxes, and Morbid Engines uh, still chugging along uh, on Diesel. Uh, we're at fifty. All right, so uh, the swing round today is going to be pretty straightforward. Um, so what we're going to do today is I'm looking for um, the top 10 countries by population's number of internet users. So what we're looking for is the list of countries by number of internet users. And I want the top 10 countries. And I think I'm going to do a little differently today. I'm going to do uh, two points if they're on the list and two points if they're in the right number slot. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. All right. It's a little uh, less right. than our normal five points apiece, but well, and again, this is by sheer number of internet users, not uh, percentage. Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So um, we went through a bunch of countries trying to figure out where they had large populations and also a lot of internet users, and this is what we came up with. Number one is China, number two is India, three Brazil, four Japan, five South Korea, six U.S., Seven Russia, eight UK, nine France, and ten Germany. 
All right. Well, for the for the most part, we have many of the same countries as you guys. Oh, cool. I'm a little. <laughs> Maybe that's a good sign. I'm a little perturbed here, and I'm feeling a little morbid. Uh, is the word of the day because mm-hmm. of all of our answers here that you're about to hear. Ken did not come up with Japan. Come on, man. <laughs> what do you want from me? I didn't even think of Japan. And of course, you should have been right away Japan, number one, but you didn't. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to lose points because of that now. They're not number one anyway. It's part of your brand. You got to... Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, all right. Anyway, uh, I'll let... Uh, Ken, you take the first five and I'll take the last five. Sure. Uh, we start with China. Then we went uh, USA as it has the third greatest population. Um felt maybe it was uh, a little bit more internet users than India with the second most population at three. Four would be Russia, and then five would be Brazil. Take it away. And then we went Australia, uh, number seven, Canada, number eight, Germany, number nine, France, and number 10, UK. Okay. Now, you're gonna all going to have to help me out a little bit and score yourselves. I'll give you the okay. enough time to... Because I just couldn't write the list fast enough. So I'll so give you the list. Two points if it's if, in the right slot and, and two, two points, points if, if you it's, have it. If it's so, on yeah. the list. So yeah, plus two, your country, and then just go in rank order. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. First country, unsurprisingly, everybody got it. 800 million internet users, China. Second, very surprising, I'm sure, to some of you, India with 543 million. <laughs> All right. So it's only 40% of their population, but since their population is so high, uh united states comes in third followed by brazil number five japan which is the highest on this list as a percentage 92 percent of people in japan have internet access Mm -hmm. 117 million uh following japan at number six is russia number seven is mexico number eight germany number nine i don't think this was mentioned uh is indonesia Hmm. oh man and the 10th and final uh, I'm sorry, I did lie. Japan has 92%. This country, 94% of the population of the United Kingdom. Nice. Rounds out the list at number two. All right. So, yeah, I thought this list was pretty interesting. It's kind of surprising. So, like, yeah, India is number two, even though only 40% of people have internet access. Indonesia is also a surprise. That's only 25%, but because it's nearly yeah. 300 million people in Indonesia, it's or 240, 250 million. It's still a huge number of uh, internet users. All right. Well, after the swing round, uh, things are still head to head. It looks like Team Orbit Engines picked up an extra 20 points to bring our total to 70. And Death and Taxes picked up an extra 20 points as well, bringing them to 90. So still uh, same scores, basically. All right. So following the swing round, we'll kick it off into round two with the first question. If I saw this actor on the street, I'd only be able to say, hey, you were that guy in the Star Trek movies and 13 Days and iRobot. I'm normally pretty bad at actor names anyways, but this gentleman is definitely one of the more recognizable supporting actors in Hollywood. And the Star Trek films in question here are of the newer franchise. Okay. All right, I'm just going to name a bunch of actors. So um, just let me think about it for a second. Okay. I'm going to write them down then. Hey, how about that guy who plays Admiral Admiral Pike in Star Trek? Admiral Pike. Which the one's older that? guy. Like... He either looks like you should play a politician or like a military guy. I'm trying to remember Admiral Pike. He like meets Kirk in the bar. He's like, I knew your father. Um Oh, that's who it is. It's uh no no, it's um it's the dude who played the president in National Treasure. Um Bruce Greenwood. Got it. We're in. I think we should go with um I mean, the first person you mentioned, he played McCoy, you yeah, know that. Carl Urban. Yeah. No, he wasn't Faramir. He was uh, Aomer in Lord of the Rings. And I think he was he was someone in the Thor movies. Uh, mm-hmm. 
but I've never seen a movie that he actually starred in. So that sounds like a good guess. Um, I'm comfortable with going with that. Okay. Uh, right. We're going to lock in with Carl Urban. Carl, no, no. Carl Urban should be the mascot for your team, like Death in Texas. Like, <laughs> not, not a bad guess. He did star in um, Dread and uh, Doom, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ragnarok. Dread was good. Dread was great, yeah. Dread. Well, I said, um, I was thinking about the Star Trek cast, and I go, what about that the old guy who plays uh, Admiral Pike? And he's like, I knew your father back in the day. And then uh, Neil said... Yeah, and then I said uh, it's Bruce Greenwood. Uh, he was definitely in 13 Days. He was the president of National Treasure, which wasn't mentioned, but uh, an iRobot, he was uh, one of the villains that uh, Will Smith told uh, I, uh, I'm allergic to bull****. So, uh, yeah, Bruce Greenwood. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Greenwood. Oh, uh, if you uh, if you don't know the name, look up the face, and you'll definitely know what he's been in. So Most recently, uh, or not most recently, but two years ago, he was in Gerald's Game on Netflix, the Stephen mm-hmm. King adaptation. All right, we're f- we're feeding a little uh, fuel into our our engine's furnace here. <laughs> Did you eat a smaller city? Yep, we ate, we ate a smaller city. All right, on to question two. In 1961, radio astronomer Frank Drake presented a formula, now known as the Drake Equation, that estimates the number of potential intelligent civilizations in the entire universe. In contrast to this formula, which famous physicist conceived that there was an apparent contradiction between the lack of evidence? and the high probability estimates for the existence of extraterrestrial civilizations. This question's hitting me That's in my beautiful. feelings. What was that about? What's the Drake song? So, so the interesting thing here is um, what, what Jeff's describing is a disparity between the actual evidence and then the, the high probability estimates. Um, it's from, not the Drake, necess- from the previous sci- uh, scientist. It's not necessarily saying that this person doesn't think that there's aliens. Right. Um, so I think when you talk about famous physicists, you're talking Einstein, Carl Sagan, and Stephen Hawking. Mm-hmm. I think all three of them probably thought maybe aliens were were in play there. I'll yeah. go Hawking or Sagan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about this this area, but I do know when Hawking would make statements, uh, he always would answer things when people would posit questions. So maybe more so than Sagan. I don't know. All right, let's go Stephen Hawking. All right, we're locked in. Yeah, we're locked in. Yeah, so when when I think of intelligent life and physicist, the first name that comes to mind is Enrico Fermi, uh, who I think, I, I can't remember what exactly he said. It's like if uh, there was intelligent life out there, it, might, it would have contacted us already. Um, but yeah, I think it's Enrico Fermi. That's not a bad guess either. Yeah. Uh, we, we just named a couple physicists of the era. Um, we landed on uh, Stephen Hawking. All right, not, so, not to imply that uh, he doesn't think that there's intelligent life, just to uh, say that maybe he posited that the evidence is not quite supporting the um, the strong theory that there is alien life. So the proponent of this uh, apparent paradox uh, was basically like, yeah, I think there's a high probability that there are aliens out there. And if there's such a high probability, why haven't we discovered them yet? And that was Enrico Fermi, the Good Fermi job. paradox. Yeah. Good job on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Question three in the round. With songs such as Ain't Nobody Home, To Know You Is To Love You, and The Thrill Is Gone, all appearing in the U.S. Top 50 charts, which famous blues musician left an indelible mark on the history of rock and roll? So his clue of indelible mark on rock and roll, that it'd be someone, someone bluesy that... 
came into the mainstream. About blues. So I mean, you have like BB King, King, yeah, Buddy Guy. Um, I mean, you could say. I think Buddy Guy. It's got to be someone popular enough who would have been in the top fifty, top one hundred. I would, I would go BB King here. Yeah, he seems to be the most famous out of all of them. I, I, I that was, that was my gut because I was just thinking of like who would have the mainstream appeal of all these guys. So I yeah. thought I blues people. <laughs> Yeah, we're just listing blues people. <laughs> Which one um, had that one song that went dun 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 Yeah, the the only person that's coming to my mind right now is um BB King. Alright, let's go with that. We said the same. Yeah, the um the most popular song of his by far, The Thrill Is Gone, is uh belongs to BB King, so it's his highest right. uh, chart topper, and it's definitely his most famous song. Um, and uh, yeah, he uh, worked with artists like Eric Clapton, and he had a really great career. So yeah, great artist. Yeah. yeah. So no. Awesome. Well done, both great teams. Great job on that one. You guys are staying neck and neck with us. We're we're just <laughs> the same spot, just moving sideways. We're like one of those old <laughs> horse games at the carnival, <laughs> neck and neck. <laughs> All right, on to question four. I want you to give me the name of the movie that best matches this description. A chronically depressed Matthew Perry, working as a screenwriter, desperately tries to cure his condition when he meets the girl of his dreams. I locked in. See, it's a romantic comedy. You can't, can't do this to me, Jeff. Is it a romantic comedy? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was he in Fool's Rush In? Fool's Rush I haven't seen it. I don't know. So many I... romantic comedies. Um... Gosh. The only, the only reason I know Fool's Rush In is because... I see it on my Roku all the time for some reason. It's like now available. And it's well, got, let's go with I think, that. I think it's I think it's Matthew Perry on there. Someone they're like somebody please watch Fools Rush in. Yeah, that's the all only right. movie I can think of with him in it. You know, I know, that's I know him a from good friends, guess as any. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll go with Fools Rush in. All right. And uh, Neil was very confident on this one. What did you guys say? I too was confident in Fools Rush in. Neil? Yeah, that's not it. <laughs> I forgot. Oh. Because he's a real estate developer. It, and looks, like, rush it in. looks like we were oh. fools and we rushed in. I think that's true. Because did you figure out the movie, Neil? Uh, no, when you say it, I'll know it. It is numb. Yeah. Numb. I don't okay. know it. I was so Never quick. It. So quick to go to that DVD box with Salma <laughs> Hayek. <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately in this case, yeah, fools rushed in and uh, at least on this side of the table. Is next that to a me. comedy? Numb? No, yeah. it's not a... <laughs> I mean, this is late era. Matthew I almost Perry. never describe anything at Matthew Perry's in aside from Friends as a comedy. But you always pick like the most random <laughs> library movie of. Oh yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So oh, what Kevin does Pollack. the girl of his dreams do? Is she a psychologist or something, or what? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't remember from that yeah. one. Are you talking about Fools Rush In? Oh, no. From Numb. No, Numb. so Numb. It's it's funny. The tagline just says. Uh, a romantic comedy about a guy with hangups and the woman, who, the women who love him. Uh, it's Mar- Mary Steenburgen <laughs> and Kevin Pollack. Uh, yeah, it's like a way better cast than All the right. movie does. You know, deserves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Question five: What American luggage and handbag design company, founded by Barbara Bacagard and Patricia Miller in 1982, has its home in Fort Wayne, Indiana? The company produces a variety of products, including women's handbags, luggage, and travel items, in addition to fashion, home accessories, and unique gifts. Yeah, that's a good... Vera Bradley's good. Um, so, not only luggage... It doesn't sound like it's a, like a luxury item, you know? 
yeah. here. So not so with like, Vera Bradley it seems like a Midwest thing. Like it's really really loud and bright for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll you want to go with that? that. I, yeah. All right. I, I have um, nothing. So we're locking in with Vera Bradley. I feel like we'd be a great pub trivia team because we're we're always either on the answer together or right near it or one of us gets it. So uh, Ken immediately was like, my favorite handbag designer is Vera Bradley. And I said, <laughs> I can't disagree with you. So we want Vera Bradley. Well, I may have cheekily omitted uh, part of Barbara's name because her full name is Barbara Bradley Bacagard. Uh, and that is Vera Bradley. Cool. Nice. <laughs> great wow. job. That's right. Thank you. Let's do a score recap. Um Let's see. Each team adds another 30 to their scores this round so far. And that brings us to Neil. That would be 100 to 120. Nice. Nice close game. I know. We haven't we haven't inched up on them. We got to we have to well, take Well, we a... got one and then we missed one that they got. So, and then we both rushed in foolishly. Yeah. Yep. Death in Texas <laughs> has the slight edge then going into the second half of round 2. All right. I'm going to give you the opening title card. I'm going to read the opening title card to a film and I want you to tell me what movie it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, just for the record. And now we've learned Jeff's movie tastes here are, are almost straight-to-video movies that no one's heard of, <laughs> famous actors. I, uh, I, I, you know, I just was uh, going though. for some variety. <laughs> All right. Sometime in the 23rd century, the survivors of war, overpopulation, and pollution are living in a great domed city sealed away from the forgotten world outside. Here, in an ecologically balanced world, mankind lives only for pleasure, freed by the servo mechanisms which provide everything. There's just one catch. Life must end at 30, unless reborn in the fiery ritual of carousel. Oh my gosh. I know this. The fiery, the fiery ritual, ritual of what? Carousel. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, I heard about this on a different podcast, I think. I've, no, I've never seen it, so all I'm going off of is I age thought Logan, Logan's run had that age caveat. Yeah, I was trying to think of other movies that had the age limit, and then uh, the the fiery carousel thing is is kind of throwing me off. But living in the dome, Logan's Run was in space, though. Yeah, I can't think of anything off right now. Let's go with Logan's Run. That's fine. Do you remember it being it an a... old movie or a recent movie? It was an older one, but I think that sounds right for it's... some reason. Elysium came out probably five years ago or six years ago. It was Neil, Neil Blomkamp. Um, gosh. Why did I think I was older then? Suspiria? I think there's a... Like it a has like a name like that, for sure. Horror movie, and they they just remade it. I think it. a lazy... Like, I want to go with that, because that for some reason that sparked something. But... Um, gosh. Yeah. Um, what was the other one you were going to mention? The uh, one that starts with S? Suspiria? That might... That sounds good too. Like, do you know anything about that one? Oh, it had something. I, I've seen the previews for the remake, and it had something to do with modeling and like body horror. I've, hmm. you know, I've never seen the original. I have no you idea. You know what? what that, let's go with that one. Okay. Yeah. I think they had something to do with like. I don't know. They'll tell us, I guess, but they have to be reborn at thirty. Do they use like the body parts for something else? remodeling i don't know but yeah, we can that, go with that one okay i'm good with that okay uh we're gonna lock in with suspiria um uh, so suspiria actually was, was about dance um oh yeah yeah um, like witchcraft right yeah and the remake of the dario argento uh movie but uh ken um we were trying to think of, of things i'll let him talk about it but 
Uh, the movie it actually is. It's funny because uh, Hollywood's been trying to remake this for like 25 years, and they can't get anyone to to actually get this movie made. But I'll let Ken take it. Yeah, I don't. I've not seen this movie. I just knew somewhere in my brain tucked away that uh, the movie Logan's Run had that uh, age limit thing attached to it. I don't know what. I don't even know what the movie's about. I just for some reason knew that. Um, yeah, the the title card basically says the plot to the whole movie. And uh, <laughs> not really, but it, uh, it definitely gets it going. That is Logan's run. Oh, man. So, oh, man. Well done, you guys. Um, they've definitely been trying to remake it. Uh, it has a young Michael York, who you might know as yep. Basil from Austin Powers. Basil oh, yeah. Exposition. <laughs> and uh, a young Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. And Jenny Agata oh, wow. for anybody who lives in the UK. Speaking of Michael York, I just love that that character was called Basil Exposition, and he just spout, spouted exposition that whole movie. It's just brilliant. <laughs> so good. I have to rewatch that original one. It's been a while. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. All right, so on to question seven. This 1991 Queen single is also a common phrase whose origins are uncertain, but it's believed that the phrase had origins in the circus. I know I know they did a photo shoot. There's video footage of him doing a photo shoot, and he's like really sick. I think it was the last public appearance he had. And it might have been for that album, maybe. Did they do... They did some posthumous releases. Oh, that's possible too, yeah. All right, we are uncertain ourselves, uh, but we are locked in. I used to listen to the Queen, the Queen's uh, greatest hits album as a kid, and I think like the last track on there was "The Show Must Go On," and that seemed fittingly circusy. So we locked in with "The Show Must Go On." Yep, uh, we uh, we just had to guess on this one. We said the greatest show on earth, but uh, once again, we we think we're gonna lose our our advantage and uh, catching up to you guys. So the the song um, was the twelfth and final track on their nineteen ninety one album Innuendo, um, written mainly by Brian May. But the song chronicles the effort of Freddie Mercury continuing to perform despite approaching the end of his life. Uh, and this is the show must go on. Good job. <sighs> what do you know when he did pass away? Because it's very close to that, right? He passed away in November yeah. of ninety one. Oh, it was that same year. Okay, very close. On to question eight: Which famous American short story writer? and Civil War veteran, wrote an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. He also wrote the following quote, and I just like the quote, which is why I wrote the question. Edible, to eat and wholesome to digest, as a worm to a toad, a toad to a snake, a snake to a pig, a pig to a man, and a man to a worm. This is one of my favorite short films of all time. Um, It was on an episode of The Twilight Zone. Uh, It was also its own short film. It was from France. And... um, I'm just trying to think of the guy's name who wrote the short story. Uh, a Civil War veteran? Yeah. So, the well, the, the story of Owl Creek Bridge, I, I mean, it's, it's so old, it doesn't really matter, but it's basically a guy is is going to be hanged uh, by the uh, northern soldiers. He's a Confederate soldier, and um, he's going to be hanged, and then he, he drops down off a bridge, Owl Creek Bridge, and then he escapes because the, the rope breaks, and he goes to find his family. And then, spoiler alert, it's one of the greatest endings of all time. He goes to his family and right before he gets to his family, he feels his neck tighten and he was reliving it, thinking of mm-hmm. like his dream and then he, he hangs. So um, uh, it's Ambrose. Um, oh, uh, his first name's Ambrose. I'm just trying to think of his last name. Uh, oh, man. I don't even know this guy's work other than this. This is the only thing I know of his. I have no idea of his other poetry. Ambrose. Um, yeah, I just heard about this guy on a podcast too. Ambrose. 
Ambrose, Biden, Bowden, Brown. Brown. Don't uh, get hung up on that. You think you're right. I think it is a B. Ambrose. Let me think. Uh, Ambrose. He was like a general. Like he was not just a, like a foot soldier. He was a... Uh, that I, heard, I don't I heard know. this whole... This whole story about him. Blake. Black. Well, Ambrose Pierce or... With a B? Because then he said a B. Ambrose Pierce or Ambrose Beers? I or don't... Beers. I, I can't remember. Um... I don't. I don't even know. We don't have to spell it. So, um, let's go. Because you said it was a with a B. So, B, uh, beer. Bryce. Beers. Bright. Ambrose. Beers. Beers. Bryce. Okay, we don't. We don't have to spell it. So we'll say Ambrose. Beers. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little made up. Ambrose Beers. The Bears. We could do it mute. Yeah, we're, we're gonna unmute. I think they're playing today. <laughs> they've uh, they've locked in, so. All right, so we didn't have any names coming to us immediately. The the only thing that I could think of after thinking of short story writers from around that time, I don't even know if he wrote short stories, but I know he had kind of a bitter wit, uh, would be Ambrose Bierce. So we locked in with Ambrose Bierce. <laughs> <laughs> So we we went through like this long conversation because it's like my favorite one of my I, favorite short films of all time. Okay, that, so yeah, br- just a brief aside, and then you feel free to yeah, go ahead. tell the, your story. I sat here stone faced for four minutes, just just in agony as they went through like forty five different matriculations of this name to finally like try and slur together a name that they thought might be right. <laughs> And let's see what Neil said. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I previously said something about the short film, which uh, I'm sure you guys will hear it later. But um, yeah, we, we knew it was, I knew it was Ambrose and I couldn't think of the name. And then Ken was like, I think it starts with a B. And then we went through the alphabet of B and then the next letter. And we were like, <laughs> could it be Pierce? Or, and I was like, well, you said a B. So what about Bierce or, or beers? And we're like, we're not going to be able to spell it. So we, we said, how about Bierce? <laughs> <laughs> so we said Ambrose Bierce. <laughs> Like the bears. <laughs> Pronunciation poorly aside, I will accept uh, the correct answer of Ambrose Bierce. <laughs> nice work. Uh, that, was, that was some serious subconscious <laughs> subconscious effort there. Like, I was just like, I hope you didn't get it. Like, in I kind of remembered it sounded like Pierce. Because like, Neil, Neil wrote the alphabet out and then it was going through and he's like, and I was, and he just glanced over it and kept moving. And I was like, if they don't get it, that stays in the final edit. So. You can't make that <laughs> up. <laughs> oh my God. Strange occurrence at Triviality Bridge. Thanks for the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to question number nine. What is the name of the novel written by Franz Kafka, published posthumously, that centers around the story of Joseph K., a man arrested and prosecuted by a remote, inaccessible authority? novel was published as an unfinished work although its final chapter does bring things to a sort of close we're locked in we are locked in so i have gotten this one wrong before oh no do, do you Not know are, are you having an I... existential crisis right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm thinking franz kafka the, the one thing that came to mind of course was metamorphosis right which obviously isn't right, right. um 
that was how I got it wrong last time. It was coming in your head. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I know that that's not the one. Um, a man arrested. What I was seem to, Does the trial sound familiar? I seem to remember. Oh, that does sound right. So, yeah, we're locking in with the trial. Well, we just can't uh, catch up to you. Uh, we want the trial as well. Ken's a huge fan of Kafka, so I made sure to write this uh, this question. And uh, no, you are correct; it is the trial. Hey Jeff, that nice. question was very Kafka esque. <laughs> it wasn't. All right, though. I avenged myself there. It was about Franz Kafka. <laughs> Never get it wrong again. I'm trying to remember if uh, Orson Welles did a adaptation of uh, of the Bears of the Bears. <laughs> <of the Beers. laughs> yes, he did. He did do an adaptation of the trial. I was trying to figure that out. Yep. All right, and the final question in the regulation. Question number 10. East Watch by the Sea and the Shadow Tower are two of more than a dozen fortifications which abut which fictional rampart? I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I don't in? know. Yeah. I, what was that? A butt? A butt. A butt? Yes. A boot? A butt. Okay. Also, this is an adjunct answer. We're locked in. Okay, so I think a super easy one to guess for them if they don't actually have it, but it's just the wall, mm-hmm. I think, right? Oh, yeah. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. The wall, yeah, from yeah. Song of Ice and Fire. Right, Locked yeah. In. Yep, we said uh, the same structure, and we also put uh, Castle Black as an aside there. Uh, it is the... Yeah, you had written the wall, so I will accept the wall for credit. Of uh, Game of Thrones fame. It is. Also, the 1979 Pink Floyd album, of which every single question in this whole game was a track listing. No, uh, no way. Oh. Yeah. What? So Patrick Dempsey was that their their no? Big hit? It was either uh, it was either in the question or that one's the probably the most of a reach. That one is based on the song Young Lost. <laughs> that is a big reach. <laughs> that's a big reach. That's that's very very well done, Jeff. Where does Bierce wow. come in? Yeah. All where right. does where do where do where do Bierce? The uh, the quote about the worms. Uh, okay. is, is from lyrics in the Pink Floyd song. So. Cool. Where can you find the the worms and the bears? The bears. <laughs> um, I don't have think... some bears and watch the bears after this. <laughs> <laughs> but just in case you're curious. Um, nice. So I don't believe after regulation we gained any ground here. I believe scores going into the final round are 140 for Morbid Engines and holding the lead, Death and Taxes with 160. So the uh, first question in the final is about planes, trains, or automobiles. Second question is about a little bit of magic. Uh, the third question is about famous islanders. Uh, question four is about the lion and the wolf. And uh, question five, I forgot to write a category, so I'm going to say uh, it's all about the optics. All right. All of the wagers are locked in. So let's start with the category in planes, trains, or automobiles. Uh, in planes, trains, or automobiles, what auto manufacturer has the naming rights for not one, but two NFL stadiums? Question number two is in a little bit of magic. Beginning its development in the 1930s as a way to compress speech, which technology has found its way into music, featuring in songs like Phil Collins' In the Air Tonight, Daft Punk's Robot Rock, and the opening of Bruno Mars' 24 Karat Magic? Uh, in Famous Islanders, which famous New York Jet was a seven-time pro bowler and one of the highest-paid cornerbacks in the history of football. The Lion and the Wolf. Francis Wolfe and Alfred Lyon were jazz producers who founded the famous Blue Note jazz label in the 1930s. Some of the most famous musicians they signed included Herbie Hancock, Dexter Gordon, and which artist who gave jazz the standard moment's notice 
and the most brilliant cover of My Favorite Things, a clever subversion of the original source material. And on to number five and a little bit of optics. Donna Strickland is a Canadian optical physicist and 2018 Nobel Prize winner. The Nobel Prize in Physics in 2018 was awarded to both her and her uh, associate Gerard Moreau for the invention of chirped pulse amplification, a university they discovered as professors at the University of Waterloo in Canada. What kind of device is chirped pulse amplification used in? Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia. Every single week, movies, music, even science and Disney, we've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Okay, uh, so it looks like both teams are locked in. Uh, we'll have Jeff uh, go through the questions one more time and, and have, uh, have our answers, see what happened here. All right. All right. The first question was in planes, trains, and automobiles. And again, I was asking what auto manufacturer has the naming rights for not one but two NFL stadiums. Uh, let's go to the low wager of zero on this one. We will start with Morbid Engines. Yeah, so this one, uh, we know that there's the, uh, I'm not speaking correctly, we know that there's a Mercedes-Benz Arena uh, dome in New Orleans. Yes, and then we... We, and then this year's Super Bowl in twenty nine or I guess twenty nineteen Super Bowl is going to be in the brand new Atlanta Stadium, uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium. So we said Mercedes Benz. Right, and uh... we yeah we also said Mercedes Benz. I got my Saints shirt on today. Who dat? <laughs> yeah, um, and I was in Atlanta earlier this year, and I remember seeing um, the new stadium there and remembering it was Mercedes Benz. So that's why we went with it. All right, and so they uh, they had wagered five on that. So um, both teams with credit. Uh, so they'll be gaining five over there at Death and Taxes. And uh, Morbid Engines, nothing gained, but uh, you did have the right answer. So well yeah. done. On to question two. Um, that was in a little bit of magic. So I wanted to know, um, beginning in the 1930s, as a way to compress speech, what technology found its way into pop music? Um, so I will start with Death and Taxes. They wagered five on this one. Uh, we said auto-tune. All right. And uh, Morbid Engines wagering 30. So hopefully they got it right. What did you guys say? We said the vocoder. All right. So um, 
it is both a technology and a, I guess, musical instrument. Depends on how it's done, how it's played, which is what caused a lot of confusion here in the studio. Um, but it is the vocoder. So you guys have it right. And just to be clear, it is the thing where you put the tube in your mouth and you go, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I think yeah. there's several iterations. But of it. it's, it's also any any vocal sound that's reproduced by selecting a, a tone on an instrument. It's it's also, well, it's it's a technology that they were originally using as a way to get like data transmissions across. So it's literally stands for vocal encoder. Mm. And um, the, yeah, you can, you can do it live through a, you know basically uh, <laughs> let's do it live <laughs> you can do, you can do it live through um like a tube and process it live or like ken was suggesting you can basically run a midi file over it oh, and I see. compress the speech digitally so i prefer the tube i want to do a whole episode with a vocoder in my mouth <laughs> i think the answer is <laughs> that was a much better one sorry we call it triviality comes alive <laughs> All right, and uh, question three had to do with famous islanders. Ken wanted to know if I was being a little cheeky when I did the categories. This one I certainly was. Um, so which famous New York Jet was a seven-time pro bowler and one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the history of football? So uh, low wagers here go to death in Texas. They wagered zero, but what did you have to say? Um, I thought you said quarterback for the longest time, so I said Joe Namath and was really happy about it, but then I realized you were saying cornerback and I got all sad, but we still said <laughs> Joe Namath. All right, and uh, for a reasonable 10 points, what did you have to say over at Morbid Engines? Uh, hopefully Matt's listening and is proud of me, but uh, this cornerback... He's uh, not. I've, <laughs> he, either he, doesn't, he doesn't listen. He doesn't care. Uh, that's right, he doesn't listen. Um, I believe that his nickname is The Island because no one wants to throw to him, uh, and uh, I believe that's Revis, Daryl Revis, so we went with uh, Revis as our official answer. Yeah, known for his uh, man-to-man coverage that would strand receivers out on an island, that is Revis Island for uh, Daryl Revis. Darrell Rivas, sorry. So you get 10 points on that one. Sorry uh, for the cornerback quarterback confusion. But, oh, uh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Still wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Uh, the fourth question in the final round was about the wolf and the lion. Uh, these are, of course, Francis Wolf and Alfred Lion. Why would I be talking about Game of Thrones again? Uh, and their jazz, uh, blue note jazz label in the 1930s. And uh, who was the artist that they signed who gave us Moments Notice and My Favorite Things? Uh, so I'll start again. Uh, I'll actually go this time to Morbid Engines. They wagered 10. Well, uh, my favorite thing that this musician uh, put out was uh, Giant Steps. But uh, yeah, throw it uh, it's, yeah. so Blue Note, uh, my favorite place to go check out jazz in New York City. New York City. Um, sorry, the stupid commercial. Not to be con- confused with the Brown Note, which is an entirely different club. <laughs> Ew. Which I also frequent. But uh, yeah, the Blue Note. Um, one of my favorite uh, musicians, my friend James, his favorite saxophone player, John Coltrane. All right. And with five points on the table, what did you say over at uh, Death in Texas? Uh, we said Louis Armstrong, because for some reason I can really think of him singing favorite things. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really great piece, and uh, no, but that you are correct. It is John Coltrane. I thought uh, maybe Blue Train or Giant Steps might be a little too easy for that mm-hmm. one, knowing the the jazz inclinations in the room. So, all right, <laughs> last question in the game. Uh, this was the fifth question and final round, um, and this was all about optics. And uh, we we're talking about Donna Strickland, a recent Nobel Prize winner uh, for her work in optical physics. And uh, let's see, uh, there was nothing on the table for death and taxes. Why don't I start with you? What was your answer? What device is chirped pulse amplification used in? Um, Will had a cool idea for this. Um, hearing aid is what we put down. 
Okay. And uh, 10 points uh, on the line for Morbid Engines. What did you say? Well, that's a great answer. Um, I couldn't get the optics part out of my head, and uh, we went with a telescope. Uh, I hate to say neither team is going to be receiving credit for this. Um, her work uh, revolves around uh, the ability to get uh, lasers, like an, like tens of orders of magnitude higher in power. So, uh, oh, okay. yeah, it, it was like from terawatts to petawatts of power. So her, uh, her development and, uh, breakthrough with, uh, Jared, um, Gerard Moru, um, brought a whole new, uh, field of study to lasers. Now we can finally make death beams. I was going to say, so Dr. Evil is going to be calling yeah. lasers, freaking lasers <laughs> attached to their heads. So T- yeah. attached to the head of Ambrose Bierce. I don't Bersh. Know. <laughs> who, knew, who knew before this game started, there would be not one, but two Austin Powers references. I did, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you work hard enough at anything, you can make it work. So, all right. So, a final round uh, have been tabulated, and uh, we've got death and taxes with a score of one fifty-five, which is very nice, very respectable score. Um, that might be the highest like Jeff score ever. So, right, it's, it's graded on a curve because I'm yeah, usually such right. such a brutal hard ass. <laughs> yeah, and uh, shockingly, Team Morbid Engines uh, they uh, they were trailing the whole game. Until the final round brought their score all the way up to 190. So they are today's cream of the crop. I am the cream. You know, good job, guys. Thank, thank you. Guys. Great, great job, job to you too. I almost feel now that uh, that I've, I've that was like the conclusion to the movie. Right. There's that one. I'm sure there's one main mortal engine <laughs> country, <laughs> and it's following there's, someone. There's your rosebud moment. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right. I just feel a sense of like like um, the ending of that movie is just kind of hanging on my on my chest. Now I just feel the the relief. It's cathartic. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a great game. You guys, uh, we said it earlier, uh, great team together, but also I feel like we were all in the same universe. Like if we were all one pub mm-hmm. trivia team, it would have been great because we we're all like there. You, you either had the answer or you had it or we had it or we had it together and it was great. Right. So uh, <laughs> any any uh, parting words or tax advice? <laughs> I mean, with the, for us currently, the new year rolling around, it's about time I have to start worrying about that, so. Yeah, so... Um... I have a podcast starting up um, with my boyfriend, Chris. It's called We Watch All the Movies. We're going to watch every movie from 1999 um, and record podcast episodes about it. So it should be fun. I haven't seen pretty much all of them. um, So that'll be cool. Is that the Matrix here? It is. Ooh. Hmm? Yep. What a treat. Yeah. Some say 1999 is one of the the best years. 1993, That's why we 1999. Chose it. <laughs> 94 is the other one. That's 94, really yeah. Solid. 94. Yeah. Like yeah. Shawshank and yeah. Jurassic sorry, Park. I thought that was 1993. Yeah. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We watch all the movies. And, uh,. We'll see you there soon. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. That fun. Congratulations on the podcast. We watch all the movies. Thank you. Well, yeah, we, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for being a Cruiserweight champion on Patreon. And uh, I know me personally, I'm looking forward to your Magnolia episode. And Ken will be looking forward to the Matrix and Jeff the Fight Club episode. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and William, what about you? Any Any words for you? Oh, just shout out to my lovely wife, Betsy, and our amazing dog, Ziggy. Um, That's as a good far move. as like, interesting stuff that I'd like to plug, I don't really have too much. I Just a uh, Twitter page called at I've Pet That Dog. 
uh, wherein a 10-year-old boy goes around petting dogs and documents all the dogs he's pet. And it's really heartwarming and the feel-good story of the year. I could so. get into that. <laughs> Anything with dogs, I'm always I saw, all in. I saw a video of like puppies learning to swim the other day, and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that entire uh, that entire part that he just he just recited was was very heartwarming. It was. Shout out to the wife, to the dog, and then a uh, dog petting Twitter page. <laughs> and we appreciate you being an intercontinental champion on Patreon as well. And for both of you, uh, the support means a lot and it helps uh, keep our show going and, and uh, us doing it. So we, we thank you. Yes, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. This was great. A lot of fun. Well, I'm glad that uh, we could have you on today. We really appreciate it. And uh, I think without further ado, that's, uh, that's basically our whole show. So on behalf of... That's the game. That's the game. On behalf of uh, Ken and Neil and our guests, uh, Will and Laura, that was Triviality. All right. I had my first kiss to John Coltrane, too. There's a little Neil story. Did you really? I think so. Oh, my, sure. my first kiss was uh, during Truth or Dare. <laughs> and I, I, I picked Truth and just we'll have to figure out how I had to deal with that. So To be fair, the right John Coltrane song for that is Body and Soul. So. Hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh.